If you hadn't picked up, I don't know how you've missed it, it is the Platinum Jubilee celebrations this weekend. And I thought I'd spend a little bit of time before I open the Bible just reminding us what happened about 70 or so years ago. Uh, uh, Queen Elizabeth II, she was never meant to ascend to the throne. Her uncle abdicated, those of us who know their history, know in 1936 her uncle abdicated. He chose love and to marry someone over service and duty to the throne. That's obviously had a profound effect upon our monarch. Uh, the queen's father ascended to the throne. Then he died in February of 52. And then she ascended to the throne. Now there was about 15 months from her father's death through to her coronation. Appropriately, the nation needed time to mourn and grieve. And then the nation needed time to prepare for the coronation of our new monarch. Through all that time, she was the queen. But in terms of her coronation, that public moment when it's demonstrated to the watching world that she's the queen of England and more, we had to wait 15 months. And so, in June 53, we saw the coronation. And if you're aware of that moment, you'll know that as she uh, arrived uh, at Westminster Abbey in June 53, she did so on that gold state coach that's been used by the monarchs for hundreds of years. It has to be pulled by eight strong horses, such is the amount of gold and ornateness of that carriage. It's rather impractical, I'm told. And so it's only used on state occasions like that. So she arrives at Westminster uh, Abbey, age 25, in a gold coach. That is cool. My daughter arrived at her wedding in, te uh, in Clayton's Mercedes. I thought that was great. Queen Elizabeth, she was a gold state coach. It had to be pulled by eight horses. And then she processes, if you remember the black and white images, she then processes up that checkered floor of Westminster Abbey on her own. And for the first time ever, the watching world can see it through television. That's why we've got those grainy images now. It's never been seen before. Always be something you'd heard about had been reported upon. And she approaches a priest, the Archbishop of Canterbury. And this priest pulls out a gold spoon that's hundreds of years old that is only used at coronations. And he anoints her with some holy oil. I don't know what made it holy, but he anoints her with oil. And then she is crowned the Queen of of England. And in that moment, her purpose as the head of state, as a monarch, is to uphold UK law. So that's when it's opening parliament, those kind of things, the Queen gets involved, because that's her role as the head of state, as a monarch, is to uphold UK law, but also to be the head of the Church of England, to make sure the Church of England is administered well. So when she gets that red box at the end of most days, it's either because of the law or Church of England duties. That's what she's doing almost every day of her life. But the kingdom that she was crowned with was bounded. Does anyone know uh, what her kingdom was in 1952 or 53 few bold people know. I'll tell you because this could take some time. The United Kingdom, England, Ireland, Scotland and Wales, Australia, that's the best I can do for accents, Canada, New Zealand, anyone else shout out? South Africa, come on there's a few South Africans, you must have known that. Anyone else? Sri Lanka, Pakistan, 
So that's this. Some of you, no, no, some of you are getting confused with the Commonwealth. No longer called the British Commonwealth, but the Commonwealth. That's what she was crowned to do. She, her kingdom was bounded through her lifetime. She had a bounded kingdom. And then she was presented with the crown jewels. I know someone who looks after the crown jewels. There's like a thousand pieces of jewels. And these are all symbols of her power. Have you seen that gold orb that she holds in those photos? That symbolizes the Anglican world, hence the cross on the top of it. And the sword and the scepters. Those precious stones, don't get caught up with where they've come from. You get all sorts of difficulties, like the biggest stone wins. And, but these are all symbols of her power, her rule, and her authority. She's given these things to bring glory to her. And then she's presented, processed out of Westminster Abbey, and she's taken into Buckingham Palace onto the balcony, and then she's presented to her loyal subjects. And they pay homage, they praise her. And many of us have seen the footage, the black and white images of the people going crazy when they're presented with their queen. And for the last 70 years, we have been observing her and watching her, and she's now a record-breaking monarch. Still alive. We don't know how much longer she will live. It seems over the weekend, if you've been watching closely, as some of us do, I find it really interesting. They're kind of announcing a succession is going to happen. Prince Charles is more and more visible now. She's less and less visible. She's managing this transition to her successor. At some point, we're not going to have four days celebrating a jubilee. I'm guessing we're going to have four days of mourning, if not longer. And then we'll have an appropriate time of mourning her death, and then we'll have an appropriate time of preparation, and there'll be another four days, I guess, of celebration, another coronation, presumably of who will then be King Charles and his wife or queen, whatever her name will be then. And as we look back on her 70 years, we're still celebrating that now, what has often been said is a sense of service and duty. She said this. Anyone listen to the Christmas Day messages? Let's see if you remember this from 2000. She said this, Christmas Day 2000. I won't do her accent. Too many of us. <laughs> it's so tempting. Too many of us. Our beliefs are of fundamental importance. For me, the teachings of Christ... And my own personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I try to live my life. I, like so many of you, have drawn great comfort in the difficulty, difficult times from Christ's words and example. The Queen said that. Now just hold that thought. Just hold that thought. If you have a Bible, please turn to Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. If you've got a Bible... Please turn to Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. Now, this is again another coronation. This is what Daniel 7 says, 13 to 14. As my vision continued that night, so this is Daniel, he's having these visions from God. I saw someone like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient One and was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty 
over all the nations of the world. So that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Come on. I, I just want to just point a few things out to you about this. So Daniel's writing. He's in exile 550 years approximately before Christ was born. He'd been picked up by a foreign army from his home, placed in another city, Babylon. And in that place, he has a vision from God about a coronation that is to come. And in that vision, he sees a son of man. And if you were a Jew of that time, you would know whenever there's reference to a son of man, that they didn't understand it as we do now, but they would have had an expectation that it would have been a person, a real man, but somehow they have the qualities of God. So when it talks about the son of man, ironically, it's not so much their humanity that's important, or that a person is important, it's the fact that there's something of the divinity of God about them. And it's double underlined by the fact that this Son of Man is coming on the clouds. Only God comes on the clouds. So in the vision, Daniel's having in exile when he's oppressed, looking forward to a hope of God bringing salvation to his people. He sees someone like a Son of Man, fully man, but somehow God-like, now coming on the clouds of heaven to the Ancient of Days. This is God the Father. We sang about him this morning. And he sees that coming. And incredibly, as this Son of Man comes on the clouds, he is led into the presence of God. And no, for a Jew of that day, he knows a man cannot approach God. Why? Because of his sin. If you see God, you die. But this Son of Man is sinless. He can come into the very presence of God. In fact, he is anticipated. He is led into the very throne room of heaven to meet with God. And in that place, he is coronated king of the universe. And in that place of coronation, it wasn't just the British Empire as was in 1952. Whatever you feel about empire and all of its shadow side and horrors, what we do know, when Jesus, this son of man, was presented, it was to every language, every nation, to everyone. It was to all people, every race, every language, every nation. And his kingdom was never going to be destroyed. There was never going to be usurped. There was never going to be a stronger power coming in and usurping the Son of Man's kingdom. Now, when I read that, I just want to have, can we just have a little jubilee indulgence? Who's up for some jubilee indulgence? Beyond the cake we're going to have at the end, this is going to be good for your soul. Let's flick that slide up. Can you just flick it up? Some jubilee indulgence today. Let's just compare and contrast Queen Elizabeth's reign and I thank God for her stable reign that she's brought to us and the reign of Jesus the Christ. You see, Queen Elizabeth is there because of an abdication. The abdication of her uncle. Jesus is there because of the abdication of Adam. When Queen Elizabeth arrived for her coronation, 
She did it in a gold state coach, the best our nation could do hundreds of years ago. When Jesus arrived at his coronation, as Daniel saw it, he came, coming in the clouds, because only God comes in the clouds. She went to Westminster Abbey. It is a remarkable building, but it's one of many in capital cities around the world. It, it is reproducible, albeit slightly different. It is beautiful. Christopher Wren did a great job, but it's one of many. Jesus came to heaven's throne room. It, come, there must be a ripple of smiles across the room. It, I, I'm hoping, I'm praying that your hearts are being warmed as we realize what a greater monarch that we gather to this morning in our singing. When the queen came in, she approached a priest, the Archbishop of Canterbury, who's unavailable this weekend because of coronavirus. The irony is not lost on us. Jesus he was appointed by the Holy Spirit, anointed by the Holy Spirit. And he came not just to be king, but he has been anointed to be the true prophet. The one who speaks and reveals God to his people. But not just the king and the prophet, but also the priest. The one who represents God to people. And one who represents people to God. The Holy Spirit has anointed him to do that. Queen Elizabeth, her purpose in many ways could be reduced to she has to uphold UK law and be the head of the Church of England. Friends, Jesus came to fulfill God's law. Come on, that's worth a hallelujah. He came to fulfill God's law and he is head of the, the church. Not just the, the Anglican community, as good as that is, the church, the people of God. He is our head. Regardless of your traditions that you've been involved in in the past, Jesus is the head of the church, of which we are part of that in Reading, the UK, and the nations. That is great news. So when we look around this room, and there's different colors of skin, and different ways we spend our money, Jesus is the head of the church. It's so much better. Her kingdom was bounded by her life. God willing, more years to come. And her geography. But Jesus' kingdom? Come on, come on. You know, it's, the answer's on the board. It's unbounded. It's, it's unending. And that is good news. That is good news. It is not going to be taken away from us. No more usurpers. Those crown jewels, I'm told, are stunning. I'm told they are stunning. It's just a symbol of the power, albeit fading glory of our nation. Jesus doesn't need symbols. You just need to know him. He is inherently glorious. When you get to see what it was, what it cost him, what he did to go to the cross on our behalf, he who had no sin became sin associated with our muck. And went to the cross, paid the price, defeated death, ascended into heaven, coming back for us. We are now fully associated with him. That is glorious. That is our king. Queen Elizabeth presented to her subjects, now on TV, across the globe, Jesus, 
was presented to all the nations. So that all of us can put our hope in him and trust him. Please, have another look around in the room. Try and notice people who don't have your tone of skin. Maybe don't live in your postcode. Why are we all in the room? Because of Jesus. It's nothing to do with the fading empire or even the commonwealth. And all of that can be helpful. It's Jesus has brought us together. Our queen has been reigning for 70 plus years. And we all know a succession is coming. It's coming. And it will be a sad day for many. And then we'll have a new monarch. And we'll do it all over again. But Jesus, the greater monarch, it's unending. There is no heir apparent. There is no successor. It's Jesus. It's a done deal. Get the t-shirt, wear it forever. It's all good. I guess her legacy is service and duty. His legacy, he will never die. But his contribution, his hallmark, sacrifice and love. Sacrifice and love. My hope is on this Jubilee weekend, we give honor and respect to our monarch that's been placed there by God. The Bible teaches us to pray for them. We're going to do that shortly. But my real hope is the Holy Spirit comes upon everyone in this room and warms your heart that for each Jubilee flag you see, it points you with deep gratitude to the true king. To the true king who is coming back and will rule and reign over an empire and an eternal age that will never end. And it will be good. And we are called to uh, honor him and know him. So if you're uh, able to, please could you stand?